And on this Wednesday, time for our weekly check-in with vaccine researcher and family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, who joins us here on Global News Radio. Dr. Gorfinkel, very good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me back. All right. Good to have you, as always. We're going to start with some breaking news. Global News is reporting that they have confirmed that Canada will drop the requirement for citizens and permanent residents returning to the country to produce a PCR test if the trip is less than 72 hours. What do you think of this, Dr. Gorfinkel? I think it makes a tremendous amount of sense. You know, it's hugely expensive to get these tests. Typically in the U.S., a PCR test costs around $200. Now, a lot of people have found that they can go to Walgreens and actually just give a U.S. address and they can get the test for free. But it's not a given how long that'll last. So that's one question around the testing to the U.S. The second thing is, if you've had a negative test going into the United States and you're fully vaccinated, the likelihood of that test coming back positive is practically zero. It's not a, it's not zero, zero, but it's too low to justify testing every single individual with less than 72 hours of travel. Then there's the question of, would it even show? Say there had been an exposure. Well, it's unlikely that it's going to show within that short a time frame. Right. A lot of people, as you just mentioned, were complaining about the cost of the PCR test, but it's also known as the gold standard. So are we any less safe, do you think, uh, in this battle against this ongoing battle against COVID if we uh, drop this uh, requirement as uh, we're now reporting is going to happen? I think it's it's minimally less safe. I think there is probably a a cost to to losing that test, but that cost is a minimal cost. I I don't think that's going to translate into lots of cases coming into Canada. PCR stands for, I like to say, photocopier, simply because if there's tiny amounts of virus, that gives us the best chance of picking it up because it literally photocopies what's a small signal and turns it into a signal large enough for people to detect on testing. Now that's different than rapid antigen testing, which can only test what small amounts of virus is there and so often misses it as a result. So PCR is more expensive. It takes a little, historically it had taken a little longer to get back, although now we have rapid PCR tests as well. All right, just for those tuning in, I wanna reiterate that Global News has confirmed that Canada will drop that requirement for citizens, permanent residents returning to the country to produce a PCR test. And we obviously will have more on this with the news at the top of the hour and throughout the afternoon, throughout the day here on Global News Radio. I wanna turn next with you, Dr. Gorfinkel, to a BC because they're reporting their first case of a new strain of the Delta variant that's causing some concern. What can you tell us about the AY 4.2 strain. So the AY 4.2 is also called Delta Plus. So why is that of concern at all? So what if we've noticed one case? The reason is, is because the UK noticed its first case just six weeks ago, and it now accounts for 10% of all of the cases they have in the UK. So the big questions are, is it more transmissible? Answer, yes, it's 10 to 15% more transmissible than Delta itself, which was way more transmissible as in two and a half times more transmissible than the original variant. So it's getting worse in that sense. But is it any deadlier? So far, the data suggests that it is not. Can it, is it still, is it still prevented by our current vaccines? 
And so far, the answer is yes. And that's just luck. You know, we cannot assume that every single new variant is going to be less deadly. We can't assume that every new variant is going to, you know, have, you know, be prevented by our vaccines. So this particular variant is, but it is concerning how rapidly it's spread in the UK. And the question is, will it do the same in Canada? Yeah, is this what we typically see with the virus? That uh, every variant it is more transmissible. It's uh, more aggressive, if you will. Well, those are the three things that define it as a variant of concern or a variant of interest. Not only does it have to be either more transmissible, that is more contagious, or deadlier, or less amenable to our vaccines. It also has to do one other thing. And that's get its clutches into a population rapidly. That's what gets its attention. That's what gets it on the map. You know, so my big concern is we know what we know. It's, you know, it's the old Rumsfeld question. We do not know what we do not, what we're not checking for, what we're not seeing. And what we know is that this disease, COVID-19, is spreading rapidly in low-income countries that are not even testing. Like, so we've got the UK, they're testing. We've got Israel, they're testing. The United States is. But the vast majority of the world isn't. So what about all those variants we're not seeing? We don't see it until it comes to our shores, and then we know it. Yeah, and you mentioned a second ago that we're essentially, I guess, lucky that our current vaccines seem to be very effective against the uh, Delta variant, now Delta Plus. Uh, just how important is the work that maybe a lot of us aren't paying attention to right now, Dr. Gorfinkel? You know, speak to us as a vaccine researcher. How important is the ongoing work when it comes to vaccines and the uh, virus and that we might see a uh, different uh, vaccine from Pfizer, Moderna or the like uh, down the road? I think it's a given that we will. And in fact, the companies are already preparing what they call a universal vaccine. Imagine if you could have one vaccine that would hit all of the variants and future variants. It sounds like too good to be true, but the companies are trying to see if they can come up with just that sort of vaccine. But I'll point out that such a vaccine has long been the holy grail of influenza. And have we achieved it? We have not. However, messenger RNA, that technology may change the playing field. We may actually see something that can be given universally. But you know, in, a, in, in other words, you get one, you're protected for life against that disease. I think it's a little bit of a hope, but you know, I think what we're more likely to see right now is gonna be boosters and that universal vaccine. Yeah, speaking of those uh, boosters, can I ask about to Dr. Fauci in the States? Because uh, he said uh, the other day that, uh, yes, a third booster, a third shot uh, will be what you need to be considered fully vaccinated. Is that where we're heading, do you think? I believe it is. And I think it's going to turn out to be a three-dose series. You get your first dose, say Pfizer, at zero time, three weeks later, and then six months later. It's probably going to look something like that. And the reason that is, is because immunity drops over time. So if we look at Israeli data, it goes from about 91% effectiveness for Pfizer's first dose, second dose, that's where you're at, 91%. But then as you move six months beyond that second dose, you're only at 45%. 
You know, so that's that's a serious concern. And then you add to it people who are older and more vulnerable. So that that's the big concern here. Now, we know that it still protects against hospitalization and death. But the fact is, if somebody has the disease, they're going to be transmitting it to other people. And so that raises the bar. It, it, it you know, I think it's going to be a three dose series. All right. I want to ask you as well, Dr. Fauci said uh, yesterday that we've got to be uh, very concerned about what he called a double whammy. And it's essentially what we've been talking about over the last uh, five, six uh, minutes here that uh, we've got, uh, you know, waning immunity because, you know, people are waiting for maybe that third shot, uh, that booster. And we've also got these uh, variants that are uh, more more transmissible. So just how concerning is it that we're kind of sitting here right now in between you know, a second and third shot, and we do have Delta Plus reported in BC and maybe elsewhere soon in Canada. That's right. And as I said, Delta Plus is thought to be 15% more transmissible than even Delta. That's why it's so concerning. But add to that, you've got winter. And what do we do in winter? We congregate indoors. We're closer to one another. You know, the virus is likely multiplying a little faster in the nostrils in the winter. And also when it comes to spread, it's a little more likely to spread. You know, so what, what are we going to do with that? that? And then you add to it influenza. You add to it all the different cold viruses. So what happens is one builds on the other. So as soon as anybody has any lung disease of any kind, so whether that's a cold virus lung disease, or if it's asthma, COPD, we know that influenza, one begets the next. So it, it makes it easier for that other disease to take a foothold and a stronghold in the person. So when we talk about double whammy, I think we're talking about this entire constellation of things that could come together in a negative way and create worse outcomes for patients. Okay, we got to step aside, take a quick break. But when we come back, more with Dr. Gorfinkel. We are going to ask her about the other big COVID news of the day. Ontario to allow people with COVID symptoms to go into pharmacies and get tested. Neighborhood pharmacies. Is this a good idea? We'll get the doctor's take on that next. Here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink. 